Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So give us a call, 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Again, 347-838-9814 is the number to call. Give us a call if you want to talk pro wrestling, you want to talk about Battleground, you want to talk about what's going to be happening at SummerSlam, you want to speculate, hell man, I know people frown upon it. But you want to call in here and fantasy book, by all means, give us a call at 347-838-9815. You can check us out over on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Check us out over there. We got a show chat going on right now tonight. Each and every Monday night, we got a raw chat going on over there. And we always throw up some new and interesting stuff up there. We put news items over there. We want to get your opinion on things. We're always posting that over there on the Facebook page. So check us out, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. If tweeting is your thing, and I get it, I get it. All the kids nowadays, it's all about the Twitter. It's all about the Twitter. We're on Twitter So get on over there, follow us on Twitter, tweet us sometime, at The Ken Reedy Show is our handle over there on Twitter. You can also check us out on our website, 
thekenreedyshow.com. Again, thekenreedyshow.com. Lots of stuff over there, blogs, pictures. We even got a player up there. So if you're listening to us right now, pre-recorded, you can go to the website and listen to us live. The blogtalkradio.com slash the Ken Reedy Show player link is up on the website. So you can listen to us live each and every Sunday night over there on our website. Today we're coming to you a little bit later because we're fluid over here. We are like water. And so we're giving you a little bit later. So you wind down this gorgeous Sunday over here in the Northeast. Wind it down Sunday evening. Maybe have a cocktail. Sit back. Put your computer on. Listen to the best in pro wrestling talk as you wind down your weekend. And, oh, geez, get set for the work week tomorrow. You can check us out on 1640 PWPR pre-recorded. We are excited to be part of a number of great networks at 1640 PWPR and B-plus players, the brainchild, the Dr. Frankenstein, if you will, of wrestling podcast. Mark Adam Haggerty has this amazing network of great shows, great podcasts over there in B-plus players, and we are humbled to be part of the network. So check us out over there. It is free to subscribe, so check us out on one of these great forums. Listen to the best in pro wrestling talk, as we got a lot to get into. Post-battleground, post-great balls of fire. We're on the road to SummerSlam and would not be able to make heads or tails out of everything going on without my tag team partner, who is on the line from Connecticut, Dave? How are you doing this evening? Winding down, like you said, enjoyed a beautiful sunny day here in the Northeast and beautiful Connecticut, and uh, looking forward to uh, picking apart last week's battleground as we get ready for the second biggest show in WWE's calendar year, SummerSlam. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, number one, like <laughs> last week, like my picks went to shit, and. Uh, you know, Battleground, Battleground is one of those pay-per-views that, um, you know, and it's almost like I feel like the crowd felt the same way. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, my God, it was garbage. That show sucked. It was, but it wasn't good. It, it was not good. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I don't, it was one of those weird things. Like, I don't even know how I feel coming out of Battleground. Um, I, I, I don't think it was, it was I, I don't think I called good even. Um, but I don't even think I could sit here and say, oh, my God, it was god-awful. It was just kind of one of those, eh, it was beige. You know, it was just kind of, I, I don't know what to make of, of, of Battleground. Um, you know, some surprising developments. I, I, I you know, again, we, we went over our picks here. I did not see uh, Owens winning his U.S. title back and then losing it, consequently, the, the following week. I, I didn't really see that coming. Um Interesting stuff. We talked about it last week. You heard it here first. Social media, there's a little bit of a buzz. I think it's it, we started it, but a little bit of buzz on the, the flag match, American flag, as well as the Bulgarian flag, hitting the deck a number of times. For me, it kind of bothered me a little bit to see the American flag on the ground that many times. No shocker there seeing John Cena uh, emerge victorious. Um Surprised to see Sami Zayn win his match. Um, 
I was all surprised at this point to see um, the New Day, new tag team champions. I like what the Usos did uh, this week on SmackDown, but it, it was just a pay-per-view that, again, I, I you know, it, it's weird because you kind of have, like, certain pay-per-views that are, that are god-awful that leave you with a very visceral reaction where you're like, you, you kind of want to get into and dissect the pay-per-view because you're so angered, you know, and you're so just like, oh, God, that was terrible. Like, I have to talk about how bad it was. And, and there are some pay-per-views that are so awesome that you, again, I can't wait to get on this microphone and, and, and jump on board and dissect it and say, this was great and this was great and this storytelling was great and blah, 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 blah. And this pay-per-view to me is weird because, um, yeah, I can't say that, like, I, I want, I mean, we'll look at it, we'll analyze it, but um, I, I wasn't kind of psyched or pumped in either direction. Like, I, I don't want to tear it apart. I don't want to overanalyze it. It just kind of left me with a very blah feeling. Some good matches, some not-so-good matches. Um, I don't know, Dave. It, it's weird. It's just kind of like, for me, it's a little nondescript. I, I don't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen, but it was I can't sit here and, and say, good job, WWE. It just kind of left me with a very blah feeling afterwards. Well, first and foremost, I must say, not none of us out of the three of us did well on the pick. Uh, you you and Rocky both went four and five, and I went five and four, and the only reason why we have the records that we have is because we, because we all gave ourselves a victory in the fact that nobody cashed in uh, their money in the bank contract <laughs> in the evening, which might have made for a better evening or a mo- much, mo- much more memorable show and something for us to talk about uh, following Battlegrounds. So, um, and with that, I'll bring up the standings currently. Uh, Ken, you are at 47 wins, 36 losses, and one tie. Rocky is at 48 wins, 35 losses, and one tie. And I am at 54 wins, 28 losses, and one tie as we head into SummerSlam for our uh, pay-per-view prediction pick. Um, as far as the, the, your feelings on the show, I kind of have that feeling, too, like that, eh, blah, don't really know what to make of it. I can't make heads or tails on it. It, was, it, it. it wasn't the worst show ever, but it wasn't the greatest show ever. It wasn't even an okay show, in my opinion. It just kind of falls like in like a category of parts unknown. Um, and, and going into this pay-per-view, uh, I said it on last week's show, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big fan of the buildup. Uh, nothing really jumped out at me where I was like, oh my God, I got to see this match or I can't wait for this match to happen. And I just felt like I was hoping that they were going to deliver and I just didn't feel like that they did. Like the Usos and New Day tore it up. Great match. Didn't really care for the Usos losing, but uh, it was a great match. And even the girls match was pretty good, but everything else just kind of, it didn't really resonate with me. I wasn't a big fan. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I had no desire to see the flag match whatsoever between Cena and Rusev. I even said that in last week's show. I didn't think the buildup was the best, and and they just threw two guys together in a gimmick match, and I just wasn't really a big fan of it in general. Um, and they certainly didn't disappoint in making sure that I didn't want to see that match because I fell asleep during that match. I'm not going to lie. And I, and I drifted off in and out between the Punjabi prison match, and I just wasn't, I wasn't really impressed. I felt like, to sum it up, Battleground last week was like a it was like a bad episode of SmackDown, but commercial free. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a, 
it's just a flawed card. And I agree with you. Like, let's like give props where props are due. Um, New Day and the Usos did tear it up. Um, I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see what happens. Uh, creatively speaking, I, I do disagree with the choice. Um, I, I think the Usos had more in them as tag team champs. However, I did like what I saw on SmackDown out of the Usos with the New Day. So we'll see where this program leads. Um, but credit where credit's due. Uh, those guys tore it up. And, and you're right. And this is a pick that I was happy to get wrong. The ladies match, I am happy to see Natalia in this position. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen. I am happy to be wrong. I, I To me, Natalia is amazing and does not nearly – get the amount of credit that she deserves. Um, she is a phenomenal talent. She was, you know, at times the lone torchbearer for an actual female wrestler when the WWE was trying to uh, cram models down our throats as uh, it was the, the diva era of ladies wrestling. Um, to me, Natalia was the one that... Uh, was tried and true from a historical family that uh, was truly a female wrestler, was truly someone uh, to look up to as an athlete, as a female athlete. And, um, you know, and she's not too hard on the eyes. So, you know, I I dig Natalia. So that was a pick I was kind of happy to get wrong. So kudos to Natalia for being in that position. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, you know. Uh, Cena Rusev was okay, um, but very predictable. Um, I, I was surprised to see Styles, like, win, win the uh, U.S. title match. I thought that match was good but not great, and maybe they're a victim of, of you know, higher expectations. Um, you know, it was just – it was an odd pay-per-view. And I, and I think, like, part of – you know, you could almost look at the whole pay-per-view, uh, you know, that the, the title match is almost a microcosm of the whole pay-per-view. Um, whereas you have kind of this, you know, Punjabi prison match and, oh, look at this demonic structure and, and blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I, again, I like, what, I like seeing someone like Jinder Mahal, you know, let's, let's push some new talent. Let's see what he can do. Um, you know, we can talk about what, you know, thoughts are. What are your thoughts on his title run right now? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. 9815 Randy Orton, all-time great. One of the best I've ever seen. And one of the best anyone will ever see as far as uh, what that man can do in the squared circle. However, I, I say that that match was kind of, in a way, a microcosm of the, the whole pay-per-view is, you give us this demonic structure, quote unquote, and you have we giving us, you know, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton again, and the nature of the match just—it's redundant. It, there's redundancy, like in the in the match, and and, it, and the way the match was put together, and and honestly, and the way the commentators called the match. Like, as you watch the match, it was just, you know, and Randy Orton called for the door to be open. Ladies and gentlemen, the door will be open for 60 seconds, and then that door will be closed 
for the entirety of the matchup. And all oh, Randy's making his way to the door. Oh, Jinder Mahal has stopped them. Oh, they're bad. Blah, 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 blah. And the door is closed. Ladies and gentlemen, that door cannot be opened again. A little bit of action in the ring. Then, like, a couple seconds later, and Jinder Mahal has called for the door to be opened. Ladies and gentlemen, that door will only be open for 60 seconds. And once that door is closed, it cannot be opened again. And, and it just seemed like, like each door would be open. They would be, like, just grabbing at each other to stop them from going through the, the door. Then the door would close. And, 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 and maybe it's something at this point, like, and, and I, I'm willing to accept the fact that there, there are smarter, more creative people in, in the wrestling business and creative in the WWE than me. So I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, you know, I know what's, what's supposed to be done. But I am saying maybe unless you're going to figure out a more interesting way to have a Punjabi prison match, maybe that destruction just needs to go away and, and never come back. Never, ever come back. I just, you know, outside of, like, a crazy spot, which was crazy, uh, you know, and, and that bump on the on the announcer's table, just it looked like it hurt like hell. Um, a lot of empathy uh, coming off the top of the Punjabi prison uh, through the announce table. Um, you know, it just was kind of... I really wanted to like the match. I really did. I wanted to like the match. I wanted to. Um, I was hoping that we, we'd get something different out of this match. Um, maybe some increased violence that um, could, could, could I, I could sink my teeth into. Um, you know, Dave, you hit upon it. Uh, Great Kali was around, and Great Kali came back and... Uh, I don't know how many wrestling fans were out there clamoring for a great colleague comeback, but you got it last week. Um, and it seems like that's probably a one and done kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I just look at like that match is like a microcosm of the whole event that um, there were moments in the match that you were like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're just grabbing each other, dragging. Okay, the, yeah, the door's closed. Okay, yeah, no, the door's open. They're dragging each other. All right, that door's closed. And it, it just was, was very redundant for me. It was tough to get into. And, and consequently, and I want to get into it a little bit later, but I, I think it's a match that because of the way it played out on some levels hurts Jinder Mahal's uh, run as WWE champion. And I think it's an intriguing time period on SmackDown, because to me, I think the U.S. title is more important than the WWE title on SmackDown, which is something very interesting, and I'd like to get into a little bit later on. But I, a matchup like this, uh, I don't think helped Jinder Mahal's run at all. Um, I would have liked to have seen more out of this match. I'm glad that Jinder Mahal won, and I'd like to see... Um, how his run as champion is going to continue. But all in all, Dave, when I look at a thoroughly mediocre pay-per-view, I look at the main event as a microcosm of the entire show. Well, as far as the main event goes, there's a couple of different things that I took away from it. One, I, I must give kudos to WWE's production and camera crew. Because when I went back and watched the main event again, 
because of the way this structure is built with all this bamboo, they're essentially they're two cages. You know, getting the best camera shots possible is a tall task for the cameramen that are mobile on the floor, as well as the cameramen in the uh, that are operating the hard camera that 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 you know shows the center of the ring. And to me, there was a lot of movement going on with the cameras, and they did the best that they could. But there were at times too where if both those guys weren't in the right position, let's say in a hard camera frame, then you were basically just staring at bamboo bars. So a lot of times you saw very mobile action when it came to the camera work. And I got to give them credit where credit is due because it wasn't easy with that structure. But as a viewer and as a fan, I could see why it would be very frustrating trying to get invested into that match because of the, the, the way it's been presented and the way it's shot with the camera and just the, the impact and the size of the structure in general. So at times I was like, you know, trying to watch something and then they would quickly cut away to a different camera angle because it almost seemed like they were trying to find the best camera angle with the best view possible. And this structure prevented that quite a bit. Um, and I went on social media and saw um, pictures of people that were in the arena that paid six, $700 for floor seats. And they're basically staring at sticks of bamboo and they didn't really get the best shot of, uh, you know, uh, of the action in that match. Um, so, I mean, it, it might be one of those situations where this, they might, they might keep the, the Punjabi prison uh, in, in the warehouse over in uh, Stanford for, for quite a while, if not forever. Um, based off of the way that this was done. Either that or they got to modify it somehow, but um, I don't think this match uh, will really serve a purpose, and it kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth, not from the quality of the match, from the two performers, but I just think based off of the production and, and viewing it as a fan, like it was very difficult at times to watch it. There were times where I was like, where's Orton? Where's Mahal? I can't see them. I just see a big stick of bamboo. Like, it, it, was, it, it wasn't the best presentation. Uh, but WWE's cameramen and the production did the best that they could, at least in my opinion. Um, the door situation. I'm glad you brought that up because that's been a big thing that's been all over social media is the fact that these doors opened and they were only open for 60 seconds and, like you said, redundant. I would have just get, I would have just done away with the doors completely and just try and have both guys climb out of the both cages. I think that would have told a better story than, all right, point to the ref, ref opens the door. They can't get out in 60 seconds, shut it. And you do that process. Basically, you did that process three more times so that you could get the guys to eventually climb over the cage. I just think that that, that right there, eliminate that from the match itself if you were to do this in the future, and I think it, would, it wouldn't make for so much redundancy in the storytelling um, because eventually they're going to climb over the first cage to get outside to then climb over to the second cage, and that's where the story, I guess you could say, would be a little bit better. Um, yeah, Kali's return didn't really, like, excite me. Uh, I heard a rumor that it's, his, his return is basically to help Mahal because Kali's like a legend. In, in, in India, in terms in terms of uh, pro wrestling, I mean, he's so big that like the local newscasts in India report used to report his matches on the sports you know section of the news telecast as if they were real sporting events. So I mean, his his involvement with Mahal, I think it's going to be a sporadic thing. I don't think he's going to be on TV every week, but um, I think it's to help 
get him over even more in the Indian market because the company is still trying to make waves over there. Uh, but overall, I, there wasn't a whole lot of good that came from this match. There was more bad. And uh, I'm glad you brought up the U.S. title situation because I really want to delve into that later. But I just didn't really, as a fan watching this, this match, and then just the card in general, I was like, all right, when SummerSlam? Yeah, I think that's it. I think you, you really come out of um... – Battleground, like it's, it's weird when you look at the two pay-per-views, you know, Raw and SmackDown, and you look at Great Balls of Fire, who, uh, you know, let's face it, like, you know, the the name deserved and got a lot of criticism, but uh, a real good pay-per-view, um, and then SmackDown, uh, when, when we look at all, you know, honestly, like SmackDown... Uh, you know, arguably the better show, or at least the most cons- more consistent show um, in, in recent memory, um, kind of lays an egg. And, and it was just intriguing when you look at WWE programming, where you you look at Great Balls of Fire, and you kind of come out of that excited, and I guess excited for SummerSlam. You know, it, it's it kind of bumps your level of excitement heading towards SummerSlam. And, and then you get to Battleground and it's like, Jesus Christ, just get us to SummerSlam. Just, just I, why, why did you even bother with this? Just for the love of God, just get us to SummerSlam. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it's, it's interesting when you look at the two shows and you look at um, Raw, which is, is gotten and deserved a lot of criticism and SmackDown who, you know, since the brand split has gotten a lot of praise. And yet when it comes to uh, recent pay-per-views, uh, Raw kind of hit it. If not hitting it out of the park, gave us a, a nice solid double to the gap. And uh, SmackDown kind of struck out, um, if I'm using sports metaphors. And uh, I, I think it's intriguing when you look at the two shows as we are firmly on the road to SummerSlam and lots of stuff to get into um, as we head towards SummerSlam. Lots of fun as we start to fantasy book and look at stuff that are already being booked as we look at the fatal four-way for the Universal title that's already booked for SummerSlam. Lots of stuff to get into, and I do want to get into intriguing times. We look at the Universal title over there on Raw a new title, the WWE Championship, the WWE Championship, the one with the lineage, the one with all the history over there on SmackDown. Right now, at this moment, is the U.S. Championship more important than the WWE Championship? We'll get into that a little bit later after the break, but right now it is time for the day five 50 50 news report. Good evening and welcome to the day five 50 50 news report. Only heard at the top of the hour right here at the Ken Reedy show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Now, before I get into this week's top stories, don't you forget to follow B plus players radio where you can find this show each and every week. Catch the replay of our live Sunday shows, drop it at 9 PM Eastern standard time. And if it's not available, then complain to the guy who steers the ship, the David Koresh of Pro Wrestling Podcast, Mark Adam Haggerty, who also hosts his very own show, The Outsider's Edge. 
More and more original content is being added to B-plus seemingly every day, making B-plus Players Radio the place to get your fix on pro wrestling podcast talk. You don't want to be left out in the cold, so subscribe right now. With that out of the way, here's this week's top stories. The first story this week, the struggle, it's real. It's still real in the ongoing saga between Anthem and the Hardys. In an interview with SportsIllustrated.com, Anthem CEO Ed Nordholm revealed that, according to him, the company made numerous offers to the Hardys regarding a settlement over the broken, brilliant intellectual property. Nordholm is now stating that the company is done making attempts at solving this issue, and they are moving on from this matter. Matt Hardy and wife Rebby fired back on Twitter, refuting those claims and revealing that every phone call Nordholm made to Hardy was recorded by Hardy in the event something of this nature were to transpire. PW Insider reports this week that Global Force Wrestling recently applied for several trademarks, including Broken Matt, Brother Nero, Broken Brilliance, and Vanguard One, all of which were denied by the United States Patent and Trademark Offices. After hearing that, I beg the question. Ed Nordholm, Jeff Jarrett, and Anthem Sports claim they already own the broken IP, and what was the need to apply for the trademarks they currently own? Nonetheless, PW Insider is speculating that the Hardy clan and their attorneys are looking into this matter further, which may result in a full-fledged lawsuit against, against Anthem over the rights to the gimmick. In some other Global Force Wrestling news in my second story this week, former TNA World Tag Team Champion Davey Richards announced his departure from the company this week. Despite, his recent trend, despite the recent trends of exodus among talents in GFW, this decision was not from a financial or contractual standpoint. <coughs> Excuse me. Richards announced this week on Twitter that with the blessing of the company, he is leaving to pursue his dream of becoming a doctor. Richards noted that with the last leg of medical school becoming more and more demanding, he has decided to choose this endeavor over wrestling at this time. Davey Richards has been working as a paramedic in his spare time from professional wrestling for the last several years. But recently, in the last year, he publicly announced that this would be his final year as an active performer in the industry. This recent announcement comes as no surprise, especially after hearing that news earlier this year. He did reveal that he would be taking limited bookings independently before he goes full swing into medical school. More SummerSlam rumors this week as the newly appointed storyline child of Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan, is allegedly in line for a major singles push, beginning with a match at SummerSlam against The Miz for the Intercontinental title. This storyline is rumored to be a jumping off point in the also rumored Miz-Kurt Angle storyline that's set for later this year. Kevin Owens is also looking to have a major role at the biggest party of the summer as CagesideSeats.com reports that Owens may in fact have a match with Shane McMahon. With Owens' character suffering a major loss in the form of the United States title recently due to Shane McMahon's executive decision, the wheels may be set in motion for this anticipated showdown. And a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion may also be on the horizon, as it's rumored the storyline friction between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins may lead to a match at SummerSlam against Sheamus and Cesaro for the Raw Tag Team Championships. As always, plans can change on a daily basis, so take these rumors as just that. Another rumor that surfaced this week is the potential for another superstar shakeup in WWE following SummerSlam. The Wrestling Observer and PW Insider report that some roster changes are coming heading into the fall, and it won't just affect Raw and SmackDown. 
Allegedly, NXT may be a part of this superstar shakeup, as it's been discussed within WWE management that some former NXT stars that are currently on the main roster may get sent back down if there isn't anything creative can come up with for them. Another reason this move has been discussed is because allegedly Vince McMahon may not be in favor of pushing those particular talents on the main roster. And going back to the NXT brand will help get them reacquainted with that audience as well as spotlight them in a top spot on that brand. There's even talk of sending talents who haven't previously worked in NXT down to Orlando to help establish their characters to a different audience and possibly give those particular talents characters a recharge or refresher, if you will. In my final story this week, IGN recently interviewed Skip Chasen, who is the chief creative officer for the El Rey Network, regarding the possibility of a fourth season of Lucha Underground. In the interview, he wouldn't confirm nor deny the renewal of Lucha Underground, but he did say, and I quote, it looks good. Chasen has also made clear his happiness with the show and how it's grown in the past few years, along with his excitement working with the company to help produce this unique take on professional wrestling. He also revealed that the El Rey Network executives are currently trying to see where the show fits into their TV schedule moving forward. The show is currently airing the second half of the third season on the El Rey Network every Wednesday evening. On a related note, Global Force Wrestling official Dutch Mantel revealed this past week that GFW and Lucha Underground are currently discussing a potential working relationship. Mantel says that both sides are in the early discussion phase and are also looking to establish working relationships with other organizations. Mantel, though, was quick to say that if Lucha Underground isn't up for a long-term deal, then it'll be a short one. Well, thanks for clearing that one up for us, Dutch. I, along with other intelligent wrestling fans, were pondering the idea of something greater than a long-term relationship. I even questioned if both companies could legally marry each other. That is the next step in a relationship now, isn't it? And for you wrestling fans who listen to this fine podcast, do you have a lucky individual in your life that currently doesn't know it? Do they know you're a passionate wrestling fan but have a hard time making the decision to take the plunge and go on a date with you? Well, wait no longer, as I've got a solution, Door Decor, the one-stop shop for all your custom home decor needs. If you're looking to impress this special someone, then look no further than Door Decor. Custom wreaths, signs, or any other home decor could add personality to one's humble abode. Not sure what you're looking for or have a special theme in mind? Maybe a pro wrestling theme? Then reach out to Nicole on Facebook, at Door Decor by Nicole, or at her Etsy store, at Door Decor Boutique. She'll be able to help design and create the perfect piece to hang in your home for that special someone. Here's your chance to finally get laid and still maintain your pro wrestling fandom with Door Decor. And there you have it, folks. Check back here next week for some more informative pro wrestling dirt that only I could deliver. Now, let's get back to some pro wrestling talk as only Ken and I can deliver. The best, by the way. Ken, take it away. That's crazy, man. The stuff with the the Hardys that um, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I'm curious your thoughts on like you know as a wrestling fan. I, you know, it's I I love the broken Hardy gimmick, and and we we you know Matt's given us hints. We've gotten some some you know like ooh it's coming. Um, but the, I'm curious to you as a fan like and, and look like is there a time where you just think all right just just stop um like i would have liked to have seen the broken gimmick already we've even here when we've given picks we're like you know we need this we need that event to get matt to be broken and then we'll see the broken matt hardy but 
Um, it's getting to a point now where it's like, if it goes on much longer, it's like, I oh, just, just forget it. Like, let's just, you can just be Matt Hardy and give us hints at times, but, uh, I, I don't know. It's just weird as this, this drags on and maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's the, uh, the kind of the strategy that as long as you drag it out long enough, the character's going to lose some relevance. Yeah. I mean, from what I've been, you know, following and researching regarding this matter, um, I've heard that, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Anthem officials want to drag this out so that eventually the Hardys will get tired of paying money legally to fight this matter. Um, on the Hardy side, I've heard that they have dipped into their own money uh, when they were working with Impact Wrestling to produce a lot of television. Um, Shane Helms it revealed uh, recently in you know, when he was kind of caught in the middle of all that, when it first went down earlier this year, um, he revealed, you know, that they, that, that the brothers picked up the tab when they, when they first shot that final deletion and they fronted a lot of money um, when they would do these different, you know, uh, these shoots, uh, you know, the way that they had shot these scenes, like, you know, final deletion or the, um, there was a couple different other ones that they shot as well, but uh, they, they, they put their own money into it. And, uh, and, and didn't didn't ask for any kind of permits from TNA. Didn't ask for any kind of uh, you know compensation. And I mean I don't know. I don't blame the Hardys for going after them. But you know they they made a great point in one of the interviews recently. I think it was Matt where he said, um, you know as long as the company has been in existence, they've let other talents take their characters and their gimmicks and go somewhere else. I mean AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, they all left TNA. And yet they're all using the same names and similar monikers now in WWE. Um, but when these, when the Hardys want to do it, the, the, then uh, Anthem wants some sort of compensation for it. And I think it's just one of those petty situations where they couldn't agree to a deal. And uh, now they're going to kind of make the Hardys pay for it a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how much longer this is going to go on, but considering the rumors of, you know, Anthem having their struggles as they acquired the former TNA. And now they're, you know, basically, I, I wouldn't say they're having buyer's remorse, but they're, they're, they're definitely struggling right now to, to help rebrand and rebuild this company. And finances aren't the easiest thing for them to obtain. Uh, and when it comes to rebranding, I don't think that they'll be in the fight that much longer. Um, but I don't see what they gain from it. I mean, maybe in, in DVD sales and in archived footage, but what are they going to gain from from advertising individuals who are, you know, portraying these characters, but now they're on a different show? Like, if anything, like, if, if you're going to try and make money off of these broken characters, you're essentially saying, these guys are no longer with us. Here's where you can find them. But they used to be here, so come check this footage out first. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't – I don't know. I am uh, I just think that they should just let them be who they are and let them be the character. Like, I don't see what they're gaining from it. I really don't. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. It just seems, At this point, it just seems like a pissing contest, you know, to be honest. But it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. You know, one of the names you did mention, and it is intriguing when you see uh, – you know, guys who were able to come over and, and keep their gimmick and, uh, you know, say what you will. And then people wanted to criticize, and we said it right here. Samoa Joe's a made man, mother effers. 
He's right there now. Losing to Brock Lesnar was totally fine. Get over it, people. Um, and, and I think, you know, as much as, like, we've gotten on Raw, and, and Raw has been flawed at best at times, uh, you know, we could sit here and talk to you about, until we're blue in the face about how Raw should not be three hours. It is what it is. However, I got to say, from this wrestling fan, and I've said it many times on this show, I like seeing people kicking some ass. I'm not a spot guy. Never been. Uh, I like some good, hard-hitting, physical beatdowns from some big mother effers. That's what I like out of wrestling. Good guys, bad guys, big guys beating the shit out of each other. And, man, at the top of the card right now on Monday Night Raw, say what you will about the rest of the card. And we can dissect and be critical about everything else. But when it gets to the main event picture, you got some big guys kicking the shit out of each other on a weekly basis. And this bloodthirsty, maladjusted wrestling fan is thoroughly enjoying it. I love seeing Samoa Joe in the mix. Uh We've talked about it here, too, at, at length, that Braun Strowman's evolution as a WWE superstar has been pretty impressive. And IWC, guess what? You're wrong. Roman Reigns is good. He's very good. And the top of the card to see these three hard-hitting big dudes going at each other with a Brock Lesnar looming in the distance holding on to that universal title. I am really digging the universal title picture right now on raw, which is, it's intriguing with the, you know, and you juxtapose the, the muddied, I guess, or we'll get into that a little bit later, but the, the WWE title picture, you know, we've said it on the show, dopey name for the universal belt, but when you compare the two belts right now, and we're not gender haters. But right now, Raw's got it going on around that title picture. Um, the only criticism I have, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this title picture, Dave. The only criticism I have is these guys have gotten into it a number of times. And I'm digging it. However, I'm not sure if I need to see a triple threat match with Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman this Monday night when you're getting us set for a fatal four-way adding Brock Lesnar into the mix. Um, it's kind of setting, setting you up to give you kind of same old, same old when, when SummerSlam rolls around. Um, and maybe I'm overanalyzing a little bit, but I'm digging right now at least the main event picture, the universal title picture right now on Monday Night Raw. Dave, these guys just giving us some hard-hitting action, and I've been a fan of his for a long time, and I think TNA for a big chunk of time was misusing Samoa Joe, and to see Samoa Joe finally realizing his full potential, being in that main event picture in the WWE, as a wrestling fan, I'm psyched to see that. 
Yeah, I'm very happy for him. I've been a big Samoa Joe fan since he started in TNA. I know he had some time in Ring of Honor, and I didn't see his time in Ring of Honor, but uh, I watched him from the beginning in TNA, and I could agree with you. He was misused for a good chunk of that time. I felt like when he was used properly in TNA, they didn't, I mean, they built him up like this killing machine. He was like the Brock Lesnar of TNA for a while, and then they just, it was like they waited too long to put the belt on him, and it was almost like people didn't care anymore. Uh, because he should have had the belt like a year or two prior. I mean, that's how good he was. Um, but I'm totally digging the universal title picture. Um, I, I've been digging it since, you know, Joe originally had the match with Brock. And then, the, like I said, a few weeks ago, that next night on Raw, when, when Brock was in the middle of the ring with Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, and Joe and, and Joe's mic work and his back-and-forth banter with Brock, like, it had, like, big fight, you know, written all over it and that term gets thrown around a lot but those two really like emphasized it in the build up to battle or uh, great balls of fire and then that next night like those two have magic in my opinion I think those two should have another singles match like at a Wrestlemania like it would be that big you know just a a, a, a big nasty collision I, I'm picturing this match at SummerSlam to be a train wreck but in a good way I mean, all four of these guys are hard-hitting. You're going to see action all over the place. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this match the most currently right now from what's advertised on the SummerSlam card. And I couldn't agree with you more in regards to the triple threat for tomorrow night. I mean, you're essentially going to get three-quarters of what you're going to see at SummerSlam for, for free on TV tomorrow night. I mean, not to play fantasy booker, but I'll do it anyways. I wouldn't have these guys touch each other until you get to SummerSlam. You had the little preview, you know, last Monday night where all three beat each other up. They had the roster come out and split them up. I would kind of keep these guys separate. I mean, I know that you need to have them on TV in some form or fashion, but, I mean, Brock's the champion. He kind of, you know, controls the controls the deck of cards. I mean, I would, I would have those, the three challengers, wrestle in like a special kind of match almost like a pick your Brock can like pick an opponent for these guys but it can't be each one of them and and highlight and accentuate their the the positives of each person's repertoire and their character heading into SummerSlam against Brock I mean I, I just don't think it would be necessary to have the three of them go at it um in a match and then not you know and then eventually in three weeks or two weeks they do the same thing, but Brock's in the same match. You know what I mean? I just don't – I'm not a huge fan of it. But, nonetheless, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm pretty psyched. Like, I can't I can't wait to see the four of them go at it. And, uh, you know, I, I the Universal title picture has helped make Raw a better show in the last, I'd say, month or so. You know, we've talked about it. SmackDown's been the A show since the draft. But um, I've been tuning into the Universal title picture in the last month and a half or so. Um, based off of what these guys have been doing, and I'm 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 thoroughly enjoying it. It's helped make Raw a better show, even if there are some 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 bad spots on the show. It, it, I, there's been some bright spots from from these individuals involved, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Well, yeah, and and we got we've gotten stuff from from Miz in, in the mid card that's kind of holding down that mid card and giving um, credence and credibility and and entertainment value to the IC title. So. Again, there's some criticism to be held, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of the wrestling I kind of grew up with. And you have the, the, the big guys going after the, the main event title, and you got a, 
a nice little like mid card title picture going on as well. Uh, still stuff that needs to be done, but yeah, I mean the one thing you know you've seen these guys beat the hell out of each other, and 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 I again and and maybe there's something wrong with me. I get it that I enjoy this so much, but I do enjoy seeing this hard hitting action from these guys. Um, it, it's some like some of the stuff that they've done uh, match wise is I, like some of the stuff I, like I've enjoyed. Um, more than anything in recent memory, I, I really dig seeing these guys and, and what they're bringing to the table. But what I would do, and I'm right there with you, like I would almost have, you know, a decree come out. And you know what? Till, till SummerSlam, like you, you three are not permitted to put your hands on each other or you lose your opportunity at the universal title. Like you said, Dave, either have Brock Lesnar pick their opponents or – Whatever, have the three guys run through other people on the roster. Like, basically, take the other three, sprinkle the magic, all right? You have them. These guys are giving you magic right now. They're giving you an entertaining title picture. Rather than bunching them together in a triple threat match, you could kill, like, an hour of Raw with the three of them having their own singles matches between the, the setup of the matches ring entrances and the matches themselves you could a third of raw you could sprinkle that universal title picture magic onto some other guys and have some matches where you could take the three of them and leading into SummerSlam, make all of like build each one of them as unbeatable brock is already unbeatable Build the other three as unbeatable, and then you have this this uber main event of four guys that nobody on the planet can beat who could win. Brock Lesnar already gives you a big fight feel. You could make it that much bigger. I To me, and I'm right there with you, I'm looking forward to this matchup the most as of now at SummerSlam, but if you want to start putting your fantasy booker cap on, there's a lot of things where I think there's a lot of potential for SummerSlam, and I'm excited to get into what we might see as far as the bookings for SummerSlam. I think there's a ton of potential, but I do think it's a mistake having them in a triple threat match. I would keep them separate, have them have some crazy ass, beat the hell out of some guys. If you want to bring some enhancement talent on, have Braun Strowman versus three enhancement talents. Just do some shit that, like, makes all three of them just look like the the biggest, scariest mother effers on the planet, and then you got four guys that are unbeatable. That's how I would book it. I'm not employed by the WWE, but I'm right there with you, Dave. At, at this point, because we've seen them all put their hands on each other, I don't have them touch until SummerSlam. Yeah, um, you know, after listening, you know, to what you had to say, I'm not changing my stance, but I think one of the reasons a, a lot, you know, nowadays in today's wrestling, especially with WWE, why you see these bigger matchups on TV is because pay-per-view is not a large source of revenue anymore. Television is. And, you know, with the, with the advent of the WWE Network, um, and there's, st- I mean, WWE still puts out, you know, tr- you know, their show to, cable networks 
for traditional pay-per-view. But that's not their main source of income. That's not their main source of revenue anymore. Television's a big part of that. And I think that's another another reason why they're putting this match out there, this triple threat, um, you know, between Strowman, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns. But I think that's also the, another reason why they're putting the Shinsuke Nakamura-John Cena match to determine who faces Jinder Mahal for the WWE SummerSlam. Um, because pay-per-view is not that business anymore. It's not like where, you know, you go you, – you, you, it's not like back in the day where – all right, here's a good example. You brought this up earlier, Ken. You said a decree of not touching one another, otherwise they lose their title shot. Back in 2001, Steve Austin and Triple H had their three stages of hell, two out of three falls kind of match. And it was for the No Way Out pay-per-view in February of 2001. They were on the road to WrestleMania. Austin had already earned his title opportunity to go to WrestleMania by winning the Royal Rumble a month prior. But this was the big blow-off match between Hunter and Austin based off of Hunter being the guy that hired Rikishi to run Stone Cold over in the car at the Survivor Series a year and a half prior. (coughs) Excuse me. And Vince had a big contract signing in the ring. And this was starting to be the area where contract signings were starting to become a joke. But this one actually had some level of entertainment and seriousness to it. Hunter and Austin had to sign and agree that they would not touch each other or physically harm each other. Otherwise, Hunter would be suspended indefinitely and Austin would lose his title shot at The Rock at WrestleMania the following month. And the storytelling involved leading up to the match between Austin and Hunter based off of that credence alone that neither one of them could physically harm each other was great pro wrestling television at its best. Both guys still having this hatred for one another, but both guys finding a way to keep their cool, but still keep an edge to themselves heading into their big match at the pay-per-view. And I think if they could go in that kind of direction um, with the three of these challengers and Brock Lesnar, I think it would make for some entertaining TV. But like I said, Pay-per-view is not the main source of revenue anymore. Television is a big part of that. And you kind of got to bring the big guns out on TV, which I understand. But you and I, we think from the old school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do. And and I guess it's like, you know, I get the revenue um, aspect of things, but it's, uh, you know, I kind of look at like the, the way the story's being told. And I do think you do run the risk of, a little redundancy and a little, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you got like a bunch of guys that are just like so hard hitting. I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm going to get bored with with these guys. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think it's like maybe I'm being a little overly critical. I just think that uh, uh, this is a match that I'm really looking forward to, and it would build it dramatically speaking. All revenues aside and revenue streams aside, uh, the drama – uh, would be built um, if these guys didn't touch each other. And, and it's interesting when you, when you talked about, you know, TV. I mean, let's look at the other side of this because, you know, we look at that championship picture over there on SmackDown, and and right now, um, you know, I mean, Jinder Mahal, again, you know, we're not hating on Jinder Mahal here. 
I don't think we can sit here and say that his his championship run is is terrible. Um, I don't think we can sit here and say it's been a slam dunk. Uh, I think it's been great to to kind of try out uh, someone new and do something new. Um, the Punjabi prison match uh, I don't think necessarily helped his title run. And now we're looking at the SmackDown main event as we're potentially looking at John Cena going for the record, which is the obvious choice. Um, but he will be facing Shinsuke Nakamura uh, for the number one contendership for the WWE, music, WWE uh, championship. And, um, you know, this is intriguing to me because, you know, I look at it and, and you know, Cena versus Nakamura, that I think that's going to be a, a – I am hoping and maybe I, I think it's going to be a five-star matchup. I'm really looking forward to these two guys locking up. Uh, I know the internet immediately was like, oh, now Cena's going to bury Nakamura. <laughs> Shut up. Um, look, Nakamura's got to lose at some point, and if he lose to John Cena – he doesn't lose a lot. Um, so pump the brakes a little bit, those who are looking at Nakamura and saying he's going to get buried. Um, but it's interesting when you look at this. Um, I think we're going to get a quality matchup. And, again, to your point, Dave, we're going to get something on TV that's going to be pay-per-view worthy uh, as, as we're looking at, uh, you know, but is this a SmackDown main event? Because uh, I've, I've hinted at it, you know, right now. The U.S. title picture, Jericho coming back this past week. Uh, the U.S. title picture, to me, has been more intriguing and interesting uh, than the WWE title. Um, so when you look at potential uh, machinations and what the U.S. title match could be at SummerSlam, uh, could that have more prestige? And is that what you want as a company? Because to me, if, you, if you're booking SummerSlam, and you're looking at this, I mean, right now, Universal, title, Raw, got it going on in their main event picture. Um, if you want to keep up, if you're SmackDown and you want to have a substantial main event and you want to, you know, you want to make SummerSlam special, the, the booking's got to be John Cena looking to break the record against Jinder Mahal. That's the direction you're going. I'm not saying Mahal versus Nakamura wouldn't be a good match. Oh, and I'm not saying that the crowd wouldn't go like crazy if Nakamura went over for the WWE title. However, when you're look, going into SummerSlam, to me, the match is, if you're looking at both shows, on one side, four big bastards looking to beat the hell out of each other for the Universal title on Raw. And on SmackDown, it's John Cena going for his record-breaking 17th championship. That, to me, is where you want to go as far as booking SummerSlam. No disrespect for Nakamura, but when you look at booking that match compared to the the U.S. title picture, to me, John Cena in the WWE title picture gives that title, that that match, the, the prestige it needs. Whereas if it's Mahal versus Nakamura... Wherever the U- the U.S. title match to me would be elevated above the WWE title. Maybe it's just me, but it's intriguing looking at how exactly they're going to book SmackDown going forward, Dave. I'm looking forward to seeing a Nakamura because it's a big dream match, uh, you know, for 
for many wrestling fans, whether you're a casual fan, internet fan, it's a big dream match. And I think Nakamura working with Cena will help his stock rise on television because I think he's kind of had a, a, I wouldn't say a roller coaster start, but they've been apprehensive at times in what they're doing with him um, on the main roster as opposed to how he was portrayed and used in NXT when he first came to WWE over a year ago. So um, working with a guy like Cena, whether he wins or loses, I think will help elevate his stock. There's two options Nakamura can go. One, obviously, he could go for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. Or two, they've been teasing it for a little while. It started at Money in the Bank. It happened a few weeks ago on SmackDown. He could go the United States Championship route. And he's got a history with AJ. I mean, they wrestled each other in Japan uh, numerous times. uh, And... A lot of wrestling fans know that. And you're going to be in Brooklyn for SummerSlam. SummerSlam's a smart crowd. They're like a very indie, smart mark kind of crowd. Um, and and New- Northeast wrestling fans are tough wrestling fans to begin with. If their wrestling is not up to par, they will let you know about it right in the middle of your show. They're like the, the originators of hijacking wrestling shows. Um, so uh, in, in the case of Nakamura and Styles, um, obviously – those group of fans would love to see that kind of match, the United States Championship, because they know it's going to tear the roof apart. But at the same time, they would also love to see their guy, Nakamura, put into the WWE Championship title picture. And I think that's where the – to me, I'm looking – Nakamura and Styles, I can see it happening, okay? That's a safe road. But I think putting Nakamura in the WWE Championship picture to kind of compare the title matches between both brands would be more beneficial for – SmackDown and the SmackDown brand because you've got four heavy hitters over on Raw for the Universal title. And Nakamura in Brooklyn against Jinder Mahal, and I'll go on record saying I think it's going to be a triple threat. I think somehow Mahal and his crew are going to stop this match from 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 taking place, and you're going to see Cena, Nakamura, and Mahal go, you know, for the WWE Championship. And I think part of that is to help make that match more important. But at the same time, I think management also realizes we're in Brooklyn. Cena's not exactly the most beloved wrestler amongst these type of wrestling fans. Jinder Mahal hasn't really established himself, and you know we're trying to establish him, and this isn't exactly the kind of crowd. It's, Brooklyn's a rough crowd. So putting someone like Nakamura in there kind of gives those fans someone to invest in and invest in the match as well. Otherwise, my personal opinion, I think if it were just straight up Cena and Mahal, I think the crowd in Brooklyn would shit all over it. That's why I think they're going to go a triple threat route. As far as the U.S. title picture goes, you brought it up. Important. How it is being perceived in some fans' minds is more important than the WWE Championship, which I agree. And I think that that will go further. And I think we'll see an open challenge. AJ Styles defending the title at SummerSlam. And it wouldn't surprise me if they put him up against someone like a Randy Orton, someone who's established to help establish that United States Championship even further. And a match that a lot of wrestling fans would want to see at a big show like SummerSlam, Styles and Orton. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, as, as we look at it going forward, and, and I'm right there with you, man. Like, I mean, I, it's one of those weird things where you, you, you look at, like, the – SmackDown main event, quote unquote, uh, you know, the WWE title. And, and you do look at uh, to add prestige to that match. You kind of need Cena in that matchup. 
going for his record-breaking title run, but being in Brooklyn, having Nakamura would definitely help uh, get over that that Brooklyn crowd. So uh, it's interesting to see how this matchup is gonna gonna play out. I think you know, haters, f you, man, because I'm pumped about this match. I, I think, uh, and, and right now for me, you know, and. and I'm like one of those fans, like, not that you got to prove something, but like, like right now, Nakamura, he's not doing it for me. Um, I don't hate on him or anything. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not like, I'm not ready to, to issue him the WWE championship. Um, I've seen some good stuff. I've, I've seen some stuff that I've kind of scratched my head about. Um, Character wise, like yeah, he's got a great entrance. I'll I'll give him that. Um, you know, but but to me, for me, he's not like oh, let's let's usher him into the main event right now. Um, so I to me, I think you need Cena in that matchup. Um, I don't think it's necessarily time for Nakamura to be walking around with the WWE Championship. Um, but I look at a huge upside for Nakamura. Um, as far as the U.S. championship, yeah, right now, like I said, I just think the Punjabi prison match didn't necessarily help uh, Jinder Mahal. And, uh, you know, when you look at that U.S. title picture, I mean, the championship changing hands, the championship changing hands at a dark show. Um, you know, guys like uh, AJ Styles and, and uh, Kevin Owens tearing it up uh, against each other. Um Owens, a whiz on the, on the microphone, uh, AJ Styles, uh, is there anyone better in the ring in the world than he is right now? And he has gotten better on the mic. Uh, this past week, they throw Jericho, Chris Jericho, all time great Chris Jericho into the mix for the U S title. Um, you know, and it, it, you know, it's it's happened in, in history. There have been times where you've seen the, uh, you know, the IC title getting dangerously close to being uh, a little bit more prestigious than the WWE or the WWF championship. Um, but right now, when you look at, like, Raw, it, it's, you know, the, the IC title is definitely, it, it's there and it means something, but it's definitely under the universal title. It all makes sense over there. Right now on SmackDown, as much we're looking at SmackDown being a um, a better show, perhaps most of the time. However, that U.S. Championship picture has definitely been elevated to the point that, um, for me as as a fan, I am more into that title picture. And, and in all honesty, I hate to say it, but like with what the Usos pulled this week, I might even be more into the title picture surrounding the the tag team championships. So it's interesting, like in a weird way, uh, SmackDown is almost a, a little bit backwards. And again, I can't stress. I do like the fact that they tried, they tried something new. They, they put Jinder Mahal in the mix. And I do like that. Um, I, I think once his championship run is all said and done, we can look back on it and say uh, whether Jinder Mahal's run was a success or not. Um, and I'm really curious to see exactly what they do with Jinder Mahal once he loses the championship. Uh, but right now on SmackDown, when we look at uh, how SummerSlam um, 
could perhaps be booked. We know right now we look we know the ladies match. We know Naomi is is, is uh gonna be facing Natalia. I'm pumped to see Natalia going after that ladies championship match. But um I mean are we are we safe to assume that we're gonna are we gonna get the Usos versus New Day again? Like let's put our fantasy booking caps on. What do you think we're gonna see uh when we look at the SmackDown roster, maybe an established guy like Randy Orton going after the U.S. title. Um, but I think when we look at SummerSlam right now, there's a lot of potential for us to have a really, really good show. I listen to, um, I know you're a fan too, we listen to uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast, and he talks about times in history where, uh, it was the early 2000s, where he's talking about how stacked the roster is and how much talent is on the roster. And, and right now I, I look at like the roster, you know, both shows and, and if booked the right way where everyone is right now, I think there's a lot of potential for there to be a really good SummerSlam this year, Dave. I think so too. And to be honest with you, I'll full disclosure. I'm not sure if you remember this, but when we talked last year's SummerSlam, we kind of said the same thing based off of the moves that were made. It was that SummerSlam was the first pay-per-view post the draft and the, and the early stage of the brand split where we were all pretty pumped. And then it just kind of, for some, and not, not me, but for some, I think you were one of them. You thought kind of SummerSlam took a nosedive based off of a few things last year. Um, I do expect, I'm hoping to, I can't, ex- I'm not going to, all right. Let me just say here, I'm not going to say that, you know, that I expect a good show based off of the potential because sometimes potential doesn't bring home the groceries. Um, But I will say that there is a lot of talent and a lot of available talent for this show. SummerSlam usually in the past several years has been made to be just as long as WrestleMania. It's a four-hour show. They try and get everyone on the card. Ken, you've probably heard the term before. You ever heard the term of hurry up and wait? Yes. Okay. For some of those, some of you don't understand that hurry up and wait means like you rush to do something and then you end up, you're finally finished. Like you're rushing to leave to go somewhere, but then you're, you're, you're waiting for that event to happen. Okay. I feel like in the last several years when it comes to WrestleMania and SummerSlam, WWE booking has done the hurry up and wait routine where they jam everybody onto the card and you got basically virtually the entire roster between the kickoff show to the four hours of the pay-per-view, which is virtually six and a half, seven hours of, 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 of wrestling for, 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 for one evening. And because there's so many people out there and so many people on the card – you're trying to highlight almost everybody, there's really not enough time for, for, for everyone on that card. And sometimes you can hardly see them out there. And I feel like SummerSlam and WWE is doing that again with the rumored card that I've been reading. I mean, 10 matches plus the kickoff show probably have two or three matches as well. I just hope that, like you said, if booked the right way, this could be one of the better cards in more recent years. Um, but if you're just going to throw guys out there just to throw them out there with no sense of rhyme or reason, just to get them on the card, just to make the show even bigger, I don't think it's going to deliver personally. Um, from the SmackDown side of things, though, I think the Usos and the New Day 
that's the story where it's headed. I don't think you need to add two or three more tag teams and make it a multi-team match. This 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 rivalry is personal, based off of what we saw on SmackDown the other night with the Usos attacking New Day. Um, and I think that it should culminate and end at SummerSlam, just be a straight-up regular tag team match. Don't add, like, two or three other teams like like they've done in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you you bring up, like, you know, the hurry up and wait, and, and, you know, there's a lot of talent on the roster. And, you know, it reminds me of when I was in high school, um, I was in a film class, and I remember I, there was a group of us that were um, – we got together, you know, and we were all friends and, and we were kind of a creative group. And uh, my film instructor came over or teacher came over to us and it was like, Oh, you know, all you guys, you're all like, you know, creative group of guys. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, thanks. And we're all like patting ourselves on the back. And he was like, yeah, you know, uh, over the years, like every time I, I see a group of creative people, like really creative people all get together to uh, put a, film together uh they usually turn in shit which totally deflated us and he was just like because you have like all these lofty ideas um you know a lot of times you just can't concretize what you're supposed to do and you do worry about that when you look at all the the talent you know just throwing talent on the show does not necessarily mean you know more talent doesn't necessarily mean more better um you know, it could be too much. It could be, um, you know, you got to find the right spots. Even though you have a lot of talent on the roster, you need to find the right spots to use guys and the right matches for guys. And you don't want to convolute certain storylines and you don't want to muddy the waters with certain storylines. And like, that is an excellent point right there with you, Dave. Like, you know, right now the Usos and New Day you know, keep it simple, stupid. It's personal. They got a personal rivalry. Uh, one-on-one works. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we, we have some sort of gimmick match between the two teams. But I don't think it's a situation where you need to add anybody. So, um, sometimes when you got, like, too many things working – at the same time, that could wind up being a detriment because you got to figure out how to mix and match and, and put everyone together. And let's face it, Dave, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan. You're a wrestling fan. We love wrestling. But sometimes some of these shows, man, like I do not need an eight-hour SummerSlam. Uh, you know, uh, some of these pay-per-views have gotten ridiculous as it is. Uh, you know, even going to WrestleMania, you know, sometimes you know, at the end of WrestleMania, I'm like, God, I, I feel like I just went through a work day. Um, so, I mean, it's fun and I enjoy it, but they got to find like the right spots and the right matches to, to put everybody in. So there's a lot of potential here, um, but who knows where exactly they're going to be able to slot everybody in and are they going to use everybody effectively? And that remains to be seen as we look at like storylines uh, that are formulating and things going into SummerSlam. One such storyline that's been intriguing, and who knows if this will have SummerSlam implications, Kurt Angle is a daddy. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I want to go with like this. It. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's where I'll go with it. 
Um, I will say this, and, 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 you know, we were at a pre-show meeting, we were talking a little bit, and I want to dissect this. Here's one thing I would have liked to have seen with, with Jordan and Aang, and I don't like the storyline, is two, look, everyone knows Angle's family, everyone knows it's not real, it's just kind of as, I mean, kayfabe is just like, I mean, you know, they're they're wheeling the Life crash support. cart into poor K-Fabe's hospital room right now. I mean, K-Fabian has been on life support, and they're, they're moving the crash cart in. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so fake. And the one thing for <laughs> me that could have potentially salvaged this is to have him lose. Have Jordan lose. I think everyone expected him to win his first match on Raw. Everyone expects him to have a good showing. But to me, storytelling-wise, what if? Imagine if you will. Put on your, like, just think about it. Close your eyes. Fans listening, close your eyes and think about this. Jordan, um, a man who finds out Kurt Angle is his real father. A man who has idolized Kurt Angle from a distance for years and years and years, only to find out that he's his biological father and comes to Raw to prove his worth and then just can't get out of the shadow of his father. Can't win a match. Is breaking under the pressure. Kurt Angle struggling with trying to be proud of his son, but realizing that maybe he's not that good. And 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 Jordan just fighting against that 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 shadow of his father. I, to me as much as I think this is not the best storytelling and it it's kind of silly, I I it could have been salvaged if Jordan went on this like vicious losing streak. Uh I think it would have made fans not think about the ridiculousness of it and kind of gotten into something else. And now, I don't know, to me, who knows where they're going to go with it. I think it's kind of silly. I would have had him lose. That's just me. And I don't even know if going that route would have salvaged that. I just think it's a silly storytelling right now, silly storyline. Not a big fan. Your thoughts on it, Dave? I'm not a big fan of it for a number of reasons. Number one, I don't think they should have broken up American Alpha. I really felt like they didn't really cut their teeth enough on the main roster, and I think there was a lot left on the table for them as a tag team. I felt like they were lost in the shuffle. Um, I think WWE Creative did them no favors by hyping them up as the, like, the future of the SmackDown tag division, only for them to like sporadically disappear and then come back and then they win the titles so randomly from Orton and and Bray Wyatt, and then like it just came, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I, I didn't really there wasn't any real serious build up to it. They had a match, they won the belts. It kind of came off like a fluke victory, and to me, I didn't think that that suited their characters very well. Um, I personally, to be even more honest with you, I didn't think it was necessary for the two of them to get called up in the draft. I felt like there was still a lot left on the table for them to accomplish in NXT and to really carve their niche down in NXT even more than, than, than they did 
you know, in the time frame they were there. And I thought maybe a main roster call-up for them should have been after WrestleMania this past year. I really felt like they could have done more with them in NXT. But they were, in the, they were on the main roster, and like I said, they had their run with the belts. It wasn't the most memorable, but I felt like they didn't really put enough emphasis and enough focus on them as the tag champs and then just as a tag team in general. Um, it doesn't help that they basically were put into a tag team era with guys like the New Day, who are basically the John Cena of the tag team division. Um, so, I mean, you're, you, they've kind of taken a back seat to them. And a lot of teams take a back seat to New Day because New Day is, you know, the, the, the pride and joy of WWE creative when it comes to tag team wrestling. Um, so that's one reason why I didn't like the fact that, like about the storyline, that they split them up. There was more for them to accomplish, in my opinion. Creatively, a lot left on the table. Secondly, like you said, Ken, they just had that documentary on WWE Network, the 24. Talk about Angle having five kids and, you know, going through his rough past. And, I mean, it just the way people can obtain information in today's wrestling and in today's world with social media and smartphones and how you can just get something at the click of a finger, click of a button, like it just it, – it, it doesn't make wrestling fans in today's era watching wrestling – think oh wait that is quite possible he could be his he could be his father and he could be his son i mean it just doesn't it's i hate to use the word fake because you said it because in your in your your statement you're like oh it's so fake but it is like i don't i don't buy too many people buying into this storyline that that they are father and son i mean you go back and you watch the reaction when kurt angle came out and said you know he's my son there weren't booze there weren't cheers. There was like a collective gasp from the audience in the building. And then the cameraman cut shots to people with these shocked looks on their face. Like it wasn't like shocked. Like, Oh my God, that's his kid. It was like, Oh my God, this is what they're doing with Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan. Like it was just one of those where I was scratching my head at that. I mean, and your, 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 your version of salvaging the storyline, I think is a great idea. I really do. I think it would help build up Jason Jordan and his character and his interactions with Kurt Angle more organically than the obvious route of just having him win and exploit his athletic accomplishments based off of his, uh, his, his pedigree. So I, but there's other different ways too, with it. I think you could salvage this. You could salvage this as, as Jason Jordan trying to use Kurt Angle to get the rub. And he was put up to doing this. And by someone else, you know, someone much bigger and, 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 and more to the story. Let's say, let's just say a Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, the authority. Maybe the authority put them up, put him up to doing this to sabotage Kurt Angle. And this could just, he, Jason Jordan could just be a pawn in a bigger outcome with this Kurt Angle storyline. Or they really want to go the sun route. I mean, you know, you could, you could, I guess you could exploit Angle and, and, and Jordan as this father son duo, but Angle kind of. Angle and Jordan, you can kind of turn them heel. And Jordan could be like this perfect athlete. Like he can, in some ways, athletically be like a modern day version of Mr. Perfect where he can like do anything in the ring. And he's got Kurt Angle as his coach 
like riding side by side, and he's like this star athlete, you know, like the like the cocky high school quarterback, you know, who's got the who's got the father really pushing him hard to to achieve his highest accolades in athletics to get that scholarship. And Kurt Angle could be that kind of guy to Jason Jordan. I mean, there's there's different ways you can save this, but I'm not buying the I'm I'm not buying the whole dad father son routine. And I feel like creatively they got to come up with something to make me forget about that. And right now they're not starting off on the right foot. And the rumor is, like I said, Miz, Jason Jordan, Intercontinental title, that's kind of going the obvious route with, with Angle kind of putting his son in favorable positions on the Raw roster. And I just think that we've been there, done that. I think there's more better creative storytelling and better use of Jason Jordan and Kurt Angle together other than just being father and son. I'm not a big fan of it at all. And the thing is, like, like you brought up a good point where, where you, you know, when you, when you talk about American Alpha, and and you know there was more for them to do um, on the SmackDown tag team scene. Um, what exactly is the SmackDown tag team scene? I mean, I know you're top heavy right now, and you got the Usos and New Day, but. You, what you you have too many tag teams? Uh, is is it really too many tag teams? Or do you needed to split these guys up? And uh, it's it just intriguing to me when you look at like like where does Jordan go from here? You know, you you have a pretty stacked main event picture over there on Raw. Um, you know, do you, do you slot him into the IC picture with with the Miz at some point? Maybe, but but to me, like SmackDown could have used like. You know, I, I think when you got a tag team that's working, you know, right now in, in wrestling, and like you said, more left on the table, to me, SmackDown could have used a successful tag team like this. So I, I don't know if it's, it does, you know, long term, if, if it really helps him at all. I mean, and it's tough for me to say when, I, you know, you're getting a rub from Kurt Angle. So I get that. I get that. I get it. However, you know, when when you have guys that like want to, you know, have a long standing wrestling career, um, like you said, there was more legs for American Alpha. To me, the, the SmackDown as well as the WWE as a whole can use more tag teams in the truest sense of being a tag team. Um, you've split up American Alpha. You've split up Enzo and Cass. Um, I don't know if you necessarily needed to do that. To me, like, you know, right now you, you could use more tag teams. So, you know, after, you know, the, the the shock, I guess, of him being Angle's son, um, and, and he obviously wins his debut. Like, when I look at this storyline, Dave, there's the ridiculousness of how it starts and, and, and where it comes, like, out of the blue. Like, hey, we're splitting up his tag team, and we're going to just – script out this one guy being Angle's son, when you get over the shock of that, whether you like it or not, to me, I sit there and like, all right, where the hell do you go afterwards? I mean, it sounds like they're going the obvious route. I mean, it sounds like this is going to lead to Angle doing his kid a favor, giving him a title shot at SummerSlam, the kid coming out on top, working with Miz, and, but I think and working with Miz and 
and, and eventually gaining the IC title, becoming an Intercontinental Champion, and kind of starting that path that Kurt Angle went on where he eventually became, you know, WWE Champion. I'm not saying Jason Jordan's going to be the top guy in the business in a year, but I'm saying is I think they're trying to go that route where he's, he's obtaining accolades very quickly, similar to his quote-unquote father. Um, I will say this. I think it's a smart move in this storyline to put him with someone like Miz because Miz is easily hateable. He's probably the best bad guy currently in WWE. I would say probably the number one bad guy. Maybe, yeah, I'd say easily. In the truest sense of the, of the, of the, the, the term heel, that's what he is in WWE. He does everything to make sure that the people hate him. And I think doing that, having a guy like him work with someone who's not established really at all on the main roster, like a Jason Jordan, uh, especially in a singles role, I think that will help Jason Jordan tremendously and will get the people behind him. It's up to Jason Jordan as to what he does and what WWE does creatively with him following him working with Miz. Yeah, and honestly, and I, I would be curious. I mean, I think that the Miz and pairing him up there would be a good matchup. Um, you know, when you look at Brooklyn and you look at a smarky crowd, um, I, I would be really curious how the crowd responds to. I mean, the Miz is doing awesome work. Uh, you know, we talked about it here. Probably the the best work of his career. He is a he is a consummate heel. He is. Uh, he is a throwback. He's an old school kind of guy. Um, if if they don't do this storyline effectively with Jordan and Angle, and and fans start to dislike it, I, I mean, is there the potential? I mean, like your thoughts with a smarky crowd. Is there a potential going into Brooklyn that the crowd could be booing Jordan and cheering Miz? Yeah, there is. I mean, you can even hear a chance of, like, you're not Kurt's kid, clap, 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 clap. I mean, there, you know, it, there's potential, yeah, like, you know what I mean? There really is. Like, Brooke, like those crowds are creative with their chances. As annoying as it could be, like, they they take a lot of time sitting in their parents' basement thinking of ways to hijack shows. And I'm sure Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan and WWE Creative are giving them plenty of ammunition come SummerSlam. Um depending on how this story unfolds in the next few weeks. But, yeah, I, we could definitely see, you know, the crowd turn on Jordan. And at that point, that's where I think WWE creative would be at a crossroads with this storyline. Whatever the case is, I, with, with so many things in the mix, uh, you know, we got Cena versus Nakamura coming up this week. Um, this is going to be interesting stuff for us. Uh, I, I, you know, when you see this stuff coming – and you see so many different combinations. It's only good for us. It gives us lots of stuff to talk about as we are on our road to SummerSlam. As the show fills out, we'll be here to take you through it, dissect it, and, of course, we'll give you our SummerSlam pre-show. You guys have a great rest of the weekend. Enjoy your Sunday night. For Dave, I am Ken. Have a great night. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.